Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photographer Michael D. Wilson. Michael is an editorial and commercial photographer based in the New England area and has worked with clients such as Yankee Magazine, Walmart, Down East Magazine, and NetJets, to name a few. In this interview, I speak to Michael about how he got his start by assisting well-known photographer Martin Schuler, and also how he branched off and started his own business. Michael is a really nice guy with a wealth of knowledge and experience, so I was excited to hear more about his work. So thanks so much for listening, and take care. All right, well, uh, Michael Wilson, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for uh, taking the time to do this. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was excited to talk to you. We've got a fellow New Englander on the podcast, so it's always good. Um, but I was just kind of curious, what what you been working on lately? What uh, what's been uh, what you been working on? Uh, also, thanks for having me, man. You've got some pretty heavy hitters on here, so this is kind of exciting. Uh, I've been, let's see, I've been shooting tons of editorial lately, trying yeah. to wrap up for end of the year, everybody mm-hmm. is, rather. Um, but yeah, and then trying to get some personal projects off the ground, you know, nothing like starting three or four projects at once. Yeah, that's probably a good way to go about it. I was like kind of talking to someone, uh, and I had this challenge recently where I was shooting like some tennis stuff that I wanted to do for a personal project, and in my mind, I was like... I had this idea. I was like, this is going to be great. And then I started shooting it and I was just kind of like running into a wall. Do you, do you ever run into that problem sometimes? You like kind of start a project with an idea in mind and then you kind of start it and it doesn't come out the way you kind of thought, I guess? Yeah, I probably like 90% of the projects. But I think somebody told me years ago, it's, it's just like starting it, just doing it, you know, because you have an idea and you can, that idea changes all the time. And until you actually do something with it, it just sort of hangs out in your head. And then you try it and it doesn't work, but it grows quickly into something else sometimes, which is pretty great. Yeah. But I think I'd rather fail at like 90% of personal projects than not do any of them. Yeah, I agree. It's just, uh, I look at it, I've been, lately I've been trying to this to get in the habit of like this shooting all the time, like as much as you can. Cause like we were talking before this, how like if you go a few weeks without shooting, you, you kind of, you feel like you kind of get rusty, right? Yeah. You fall off your game. I think you, you sort of. Yeah, yeah. you're not as quick. You know, if you have like a busy shoot week where you've got a personal shoot and then maybe like two or three shoots on top of it, by that last shoot in the week, you're just, you're on fire. It just like happens without even thinking about it. Yeah, it's like you got the you got your gear moving quick and it's just like you're sharp on it, man. I, I definitely agree. Um, but I guess to go back a little bit, I was kind of curious like uh, where you grew up and like what are kind of some of your earliest memories of photography? Uh, I grew up outside Chicago. I grew up in the western suburbs in the bustling town of Bartlett. Okay. Uh, super quiet. Um, yeah, I was there for growing up there, and I got interested in photography as a kid. And then uh, when I was in high school, I was super into it. That was about it. I'd spend, like, lunchtime in the dark rooms printing all day. Um, and then went to college for it, thinking I was going to be a photographer. And then I ended up at uh, Rochester Institute of Tech. Okay, and wow. Got and my, got a degree in uh, medical photography, which was... Oh, you not biomedical. I do, yeah. Which is like, I, I didn't realize you went to, I went to RIT too. And uh, yeah, how would you describe, what is biomedical photography? Uh, let's see, I have, my, I have a Bachelor of Science in Biomedical Photographic Communications, which makes me sound way more interesting than I am. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was cool, man. I really wanted a career that was like science and photo driven. And I always said if I found something that mixed him, I would do that. 
And I did community college in Chicago for a couple of years, moved out to Rochester for school. And about a year into the program, I realized how kind of lonely that job was going to be. We toured a hospital up in Toronto one time, and the guys who were there were just complaining about their jobs going away. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't think I want to do this. Um, so I just stuck with it and took some fine art classes and stuff. And then through that, got an uh, internship in New York, yeah. down in the city. And uh, moved down to New York to be an assistant for some years. That's cool. And to go back, like, uh, like what does a biomedical ph- photographer do? Because it's funny. I went to RIT, and the biomedical uh, program, you guys, I think we're, like, on the second or third floor. And then all the other, like, like whatever, fine art and advertising were, like, on the fourth floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, like, a small... Because I think there was probably, what, like, maybe... 40 people in that program if that about yeah 30 to 40 yeah because what is what does a biomedical photographer do because this is interesting we did a lot of we were doing a lot of stuff photographing stuff through microscopes so setting up like the complex lighting situations for photographing microscope slides um it was also a lot of problem solving so it was a lot of like you'd get an assignment that was like okay you have a tech client who has this new product that needs to be photographed um and you have to challenge your way work your way through the challenge of photographing it um we had to photograph a contact lens one time, which was like a nightmare. Wow. Yeah, so it's a lot of science-based things. Uh, really, really intricate problem-solving stuff, which I think I still use today, but that was the bulk of it, for sure. That's pretty interesting. I think a lot of the kids ended up going into like photographing, like I think they would work for like eye doctors and stuff. Exactly. Like, like it was tons of photos of like eyeballs and stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of like retinal photography, yeah. which retinal sounds terrible when you think about <laughs> it, but it was just like photographing people's eyes. And uh, I think that... I did it for a summer. I did an internship as uh, as a photographer doing that for the summer. And it was tough because you I wanted to just talk to people and you end up like starting conversation with people and they're pretty nervous, you know. It's a lot of older people who are kind of losing their sight and they're just anxious to get out of there and I realized maybe I should change career paths. Yeah. Yeah, so even like when you're in RIT and you're doing that where you still kind of paying attention cuz looking at your work now it's a lot of editorial and like commercial and portraits were you even like interested in that back then? Yeah, a little bit. I think actually I remember in, in uh, the senior year in, at RIT, I took a fine art class and uh, with Dan Larkin. Oh, yeah, great guy. And, uh, the best. And he, uh, he was asking everybody what they're going to do for their projects. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do a portrait project. And he was like, how come? And I was like, because I don't know a damn thing about portraits. <laughs> and he was like, okay, cool. And he pulled me aside later. He was like, nobody would ever admit they don't know anything. And I was like, I don't know a lot of things. That's why I want to do it. Yeah. And I got really into it after that. Mm. That's interesting. And I guess like... Uh, once you got out of RIT, I know you mentioned it, you, you ended up moving to New York pretty much right away after college. Yeah, I was going to move back to Chicago um, to be a full-time assistant. And about three weeks before I left, actually it was Dan Larkin, asked if I wanted to take a three-month internship with uh, Mark Seliger. Wow. And I was like, yeah, that seems like exactly what I want to do. Wow. It was pretty intense going that's, from school to like this crazy, crazy studio world. That's pretty amazing. Like he, because you were you got a degree in biomedical, but Dan still thought like, hey, maybe you'd like to do this. Yeah, and not, I, it was super lucky, man. It's I feel like I've always, I've had a lot of good luck in my life, so yeah, I think that's a big big part of it too. But that's pretty cool. And once you got working with uh, Mark Seliger, where you worked with him for three months. Yeah, I was there an intern for three months, and then, let's see, I was pretty much ready to, f- I was like, uh-oh, I think I have to move back to Chicago. It was an unpaid internship Oh wow! in New York City, which was, it was 2005, so, you know, it was kind of like, okay, I'm ready to bail on the city, and about a month before that job ended, he had a full-time archivist who approached me and was like, hey, do you know who Martin Schiller is? He's looking for, he said he's looking for an assistant, and I was like, oh, an assistant, that's what I want to do, and I was like, I do, and I went, it turned out it was an internship, but it also turned out that 
his whole staff was changing out for different reasons. Okay. And so I ended up starting as an intern there and then working, I worked with him for five years or six years, I think six years. Damn, man. You went from like, you just went straight into two of the most balling photographers in the game, like yeah. Marcus Seliger. Yeah, I guess, yeah. What was it like working with Mark Seliger? Like, how big was his staff at that point when you were oh my interning God. with him? I think he had 12 people full-time when I was there. I mean, it was crazy. It was also crazy because I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I didn't know what, you know, I coming especially from this, like, fine art biomed career path that I somehow thought I was going to make happen mm. to seeing this, like, full-on commercial studio where you're shooting, you know, seven shoots in five days and locations everywhere and but I realized and it was exhausting and I was tired and sore and I realized after the after the end of every day that I still wanted to keep doing it and I was like okay maybe I'm doing the right thing at this point yeah it's pretty cool what do you feel like you learned like and then you went on to Martin Schuler. uh I guess how was it working with him like what kind of stuff did he have you doing once you started working with Martin uh, I started with Martin just doing the same thing, doing like intern work, running errands and, and tying up loose ends. And then he had a full-time uh, film scanner. He was still shooting film in 2006. Wow. And uh, so I was scanning all his film then. I took that job. And then his first assistant left about a year after that. And I took over the first assistant role. And I didn't have a damn clue what I was doing. <laughs> I remember the first job I worked on is my first, like full-time first. I was just running everywhere, all over set. And Martin grabbed me and he's like, you just have to stay here and give directions. Stop running everywhere. And I was like, okay, that's all I needed to hear. And yeah, I was yeah. like, sort of fell into it after that. But Yeah, because I guess like the job of the first assistant is to kind of oversee all the other uh, assistants kind of. Yeah, sort of like manage a, manage a production in a way, manage a crew. And it was, I was not ready for that, but I feel like I, I feel like I fell into it after a while. What do you feel like you learned working with that guy? Because he's such like a famous photographer and this amazing, what do you, working with a guy like that for six years, what do you feel like you kind of took away? Oh man, so many things. I mean, I feel like I could have skipped school and learned so much more from just Martin, but I learned everything, you know, keeping her cool and being calm and when things go wrong just being like that's cool and just moving on even though you're freaking out inside yeah. i remember one time asking him after a shoot i was like man I, sorry that all went really bad and he was like no it's fine i was like but you were so chill about it he's like no nah, i was freaking out but you can't look freaked out and i was like nice yeah you know stuff like that also just like being a good person he was just he's genuine and yeah. that i think goes a long way when you're trying to when you're photographing people and you're a genuine person i think people pick up on that yeah, I've seen like a couple of interviews with that guy. You can tell he just has like a general, uh, genuine passion for like his photography. Like he, because he's always shooting. I don't know if you saw, he was shooting like all these like uh, homeless people in LA. He shot like must have been like five hundred people or something. Yeah, and it's just cool to see like a guy like that. He's still just doing personal projects and stuff. Um, where did you you guys end up traveling a lot when you're working with him? Everywhere, yeah. It was one of the perks that I didn't think about until it was happening. And but yeah, we traveled everywhere. I mean, I think just I, we just went to for a vac- uh, vacation this summer. We went to India, and part of the thing on the application was you had to list the countries you've been to in the last ten years. And I was like, oh, I should sit down. And it was something like eighteen countries. Wow. It couldn't even fit on the little form, so I had to pick the ones that I thought they'd want to know I'd been to. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, it was cool. We did so much traveling and. It was awesome to be able to experience different places and, and different people and, and yeah, that's, all all for photography. That's pretty cool. Is there like maybe one shoot that kind of sticks out in your mind is like pretty memorable working with him? Oh man, so many shoots. Yeah, I think the he did this thing for uh, National Geographic in Brazil with uh, with an indigenous tribe down there. Wow. He spent a month down there living with them and photographing them and as part of a the campaign to raise awareness about the deforestation and everything that was going on and still going on in the rainforest down there. 
that was definitely that takes the cake is probably the best. Wow, you guys spent the, you trip. guys spent a month in Brazil. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. That's pretty, that's fucking awesome. Uh, and then I guess like, how did you eventually kind of make the transition from being an assistant? You were with him for six years. Uh, how do you kind of make the transition into becoming a photographer yourself? Was it a kind of a gradual thing, or did you kind of have a clean break? You're just gonna stop assisting, or how did it kind of work for you? Yeah, I stopped. I think part of it was, it was also, it came with a life change of moving. Um, my wife and I had sort of burned out on being in New York and kind of wanted to pick up somewhere else. And we were both at a, a junction in our careers that let us be able to just bail. And so I think that it was a clean break. Um, I When we moved up, we're in Maine now, and we moved up there, I ended up doing a little bit of assisting here and there. But for the most part, it was a clean break. And it is, anybody who's left a full-time assisting gig, it is a tough it's a tough breakaway. I mean, you build those relationships. It was even harder too because I left the city that I had built all these relationships in. Um, so it was like starting over and starting over. Yeah. Um, but honestly, it got to the point where I just wasn't, uh, it was a job and I wasn't really learning anything anymore. Yeah. And I loved it and I probably could have worked with Martin forever, but at a certain point, you're like, kind of got to try it on my own. Yeah, it's definitely hard. Uh, yeah, when I talked to Chris Buck, he, he's funny. He's like, he's like, I advise people that want to be photographers never be an assistant because, <laughs> like, like you said, like you, when you're working with a guy like that, you, it's easy. You can make five hundred bucks a day and pretty consistently make good money. So it is, it is hard to make that leap. Um, but what, what kind of ma- drew you to Maine? You know, honestly, I've said this a couple of times to people: is I really wasn't inspired being in New York, which sounds weird because it's a city that has so much happening but for me i needed somewhere i had to be able to get outside and and be in a forest or you know be by an ocean or be able to small talk with people which is like this everyone hates small talk but i love small talk and like i it was hard to do in the city it was hard to make connections with people in the city it was hard to feel like people wanted to give you not the time of day but to like give you their time even for photography and i just wasn't ready to try and make it work yeah in the city yeah new york's wild like i i like going down there for a few days but i actually have this thing where like i like every time i go there it's like this amazing city there's so much going on i have like the hardest time to take a picture in new york city because because oh. it, it's like so I, i'm the same way i live in a small town in massachusetts and it's like i feel like i can kind of like focus think of an idea and then photograph it photograph it but when i'm in new york there's this I don't know what it is. I just can't. There's amazing photographers that can do it because I'll see it on Instagram. I'm like, damn, why didn't I think to shoot that? Like in New York, you know? Yeah. No, I agree with that. That was the problem I was having when I was in the city is even when, you know, I was get days off or have a weekend off or a week off or something. I was like, oh, I'm going to do some shoots and then like hide in my apartment and play video games for two days. And mm. I was like, maybe this isn't the right city to be shooting in for me. Yeah. Everyone finds their path. And nowadays I think you, you can kind of be anywhere. Like, to be honest, like if you have good work, um, people will hire you. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think there's some stipulations to that, but I definitely agree. Yeah, definitely. Like for sure, like it, it, there is there is challenges um, living in the smaller market for sure. But like I, I interviewed uh, this guy Andy Anderson, who's like an amazing commercial guy. He lives in oh, Idaho. I love that, and he's killing it. But like he just shoots good works, always doing personal projects, and it is exciting to see someone kind of living somewhere and they can still do it. You know? Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's it, you definitely creating good work is I think key to it. Yeah, what do you think are like some of the challenges living in Maine? Obviously, it's like a smaller market. Uh, like, what are kind of some of the challenges you think versus like living in New York or LA or like even Boston? You think? I think it's you know it's funny. I thought there would foolishly I thought there would be less competition in a smaller market, but there's competition everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I think that even if it's a smaller market, you're still competing with really good photographers. I honestly think for me the hardest part has been um, getting people to take you serious, not 
that sounds really silly, but like having clients, like trying to reach out to clients, trying to reach out to businesses and, you know, trying to do commercial work with them and having this misunderstanding about what it is you're trying to do. And there just isn't, when you're in New York, people are like, oh yeah, photography, because you see shoots all the time. You see stuff on the streets all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, you show up at somebody's business and you start setting up lights and like, wow, you're going all out. And you're like, sure, yeah. I actually scaled it down for this. <laughs> so like, that's been a little bit of a challenge, but at the end, it's also nice because then you are able to strike up conversation about photography and you, you most subjects aren't interested in it in a major city per mm-hmm. se. That yeah. might be that might be off base, but <laughs> no, that makes sense. And I guess like once you got to Maine, like looking at your work now, it's a lot of portrait. You do editorial and commercial. Um, once you kind of got there, and once you left Martin, was that kind of your goal? Like you start, you wanted to start building a portfolio of like portraits and start shooting editorial. Was that kind of? Yeah, yeah. I think that I definitely wanted to stick with with portraits. I mean, I think I learned so much from Martin. And you know, honestly, the hardest part about leaving Martin's was unlearning everything I'd learned there, and that you know the first few things I shot on my own, I was like, cool, this looks exactly like Martin Schuller. Yeah. Because I was good at it. I mean, I knew how he did it. Um, Got the which, Kino, Kino flows. And the- <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so that's actually the one thing I, I was like, I'll never set up Kino flows. I can't do that. I can't do that. Um, but like, you know, all the direction and stuff I learned. And that was, that's how it started out is just like replicating his work, which wasn't great. Um, when we left the city, we actually, we left, we hiked the Appalachian Trail for six months just to like totally cleanse ourselves from New York. And I wanted to do a big photo project along the way with no gear, just one camera, one lens, just like the complete opposite of driving around a, you know, a metric ton of gear in a van. Mm. And so that helped me a lot too, to sort of disconnect completely from the city. Um, and that definitely drove the work I have now, I think. Yeah. And were you kind of like putting a portfolio together? How did you kind of, once you started breaking off on your own, how are you kind of getting your work out there and kind of finding clients, I guess? Yeah. Trying to get a portfolio together, trying to trying to reach out to clients and it's so hard at the beginning, man, trying to get people to trust you to do something that you can't really show them. I mean, you might have one or two examples, but you don't have a solid portfolio. Um, So yeah, I got a lot of thanks for the people who early on took a chance. Mm. You know, a couple of the editorial uh, publications were like, yeah, yeah, we'll bring you on for something. You're like, great. And then it was your chance to like, okay, knock it out of the park. Um, But yeah, and it never ends. I mean, you know that it's always a hustle. You're still, you're still, you're hustling the same way now as you did when you first started. Oh yeah. 100%. I I think, I think when you're like younger, you you start, you you think like you get out of school or something, there's going to be like this day where you're like, I made it or something. It's like, no, like talking to like, uh, all these big time photographers, like even like Chris Buck and all these guys, it's like, they're hustling just as much. They're looking. Always. They're looking for the next job. Their job might be a bigger budget. Than of course, of doing, course, of course. But it's still the same game. It's just like you're just trying to grow and keep it moving. Um, but I guess, like, do you remember kind of some of the first assignments you got when you kind of started shooting on your own? Yeah, I remember actually the very first assignment, first editorial piece I got was from Down East. It was this rope factory in Maine, and I showed up. And I remember I was like almost sick to my stomach. I was so nervous to like be on my own and like knock this out. And I had all this gear and I had one assistant. And I kept telling him to bring more gear, bring more gear. We had all these lights set up. And I, the moment I started shooting, I was like, all that fear went away. And I was like, oh yeah, you know what you're doing. Just roll with it. Yeah. And yeah, and that was definitely, that one sort of led into another one, into another one, into other publications and then commercial clients. And yeah. so it's, yeah, it's good. It's a good juggle. And like living in, like in a smaller market, do you feel like you have to be like more of a generalist? Because I've seen like, you'll even, you have amazing portraits, but then I saw for Down East, you shot a cover and you were shooting like a food. It was like burger. Do you feel like living in a smaller market, you kind of have to be more of a generalist or what do you think yeah definitely i think that and for me it's good you know i always i struggled with the idea of being a generalist for years because i think that you know there's nothing 
there's nothing worse than ending up on a website and it's like, what is this person doing? It's like travel, food, yeah. uh, stories, personal uh, portraits. And you're like, oh my God, what's happening? Yeah. Um, but yeah, in a smaller market, you do. You kind of have to be a generalist. And I'm, I think it's, I'm such a technical person with lighting. You just sort of bring lighting from one person to a burger, for yeah. example. Yeah, no, that was the cool thing about it. Like, it still looked like you're lighting. Like, you lit the burger like it was, like, a portrait or something. It kind of all looks together. Um, like, there's, like, I, I have the most admiration for, like, photographers that can do that. Like, Brian Fink, for one instance. That guy is, like, he has, like, his lighting. He shoots, like, little, like, speed lights pretty much. And he can just shoot, like, a portrait. And then he'll shoot, like, barbecue and it all looks cohesive. Yeah. It's it's hard to do. And, like, that's one thing I always ask people is, like, did it take you a while to kind of find your, like, aesthetic or, like, your photographic style, the way you shoot? Um, did it kind of take you a while to kind of find your voice, you think? Yeah, I do. I, I do. And I think that it also, what's interesting about sort of finding your aesthetic is sometimes, at least for me, I didn't know I found it. I just realized when somebody was like, oh, I saw something in a magazine the other day and I totally knew it was yours. And it was like, oh, do I did I find my aesthetic? And I realized because I think we always, as a photographer, you're always adapting and changing and not dramatically, but you know, different situations call for different setups and different styles. But I think after a while, that voice sort of comes through after enough work is produced. Yeah. And what kind of assignments do you, you, you think you enjoy doing most? I really like assignments that have, going back to the generalist thing, that sort of have different two or three variables to it. Yep. You know, showing up, my dream assignments are ones where you're like, photographing people doing production you know like in a factory or something yeah. and then you're doing portraits and then you're photographing product or food or something to go along basically telling a whole story yeah you know and for me it's easy to tell a story when you've got this like so many different facets of of uh information coming in yeah definitely i i, I noticed that in like uh on your website you had a bunch of cool little stories you're telling one in particular kind of caught my eye was called wind power which uh how did that was that like a personal project or what was that all about that's a that it's that's interesting. I was on an editorial shoot, actually the first feature I ever shot. I spent a few days at this camp and there was a woman there I got talking to and she was a lawyer for this wind company out of Massachusetts. Yeah. And she was like, Oh yeah, you know, I should I should put you in touch with them. Maybe you can do something. I was like, Sure, cool. Everybody says, like, Oh, we can hook you up and you're like, Great. So I, I followed up with her and followed up with this company and um, like two days later the guy calls and he's like hey do you want to go spend a couple days out at a wind farm in Maine and I was like fuck, uh, fuck okay yeah. sure yeah <laughs> I was like do I get to climb a wind tower he's like yeah are you afraid of heights I was like no not at all let's do it um, so yeah so it sort of came about it was shooting just a library for them so they had some images to work um, it's, a, it's strange because I shot this shot the story then that company got bought by another company then that company folded so I don't actually know where those images live now and <laughs> And what what their what their existence is? They, they live on your website. They man. live on the website, yeah. <laughs> but like that to me was a dream. You know, you kind of like follow somebody around, tell a story of the day, stop for some portraits, get people in action. Yeah. But you know, getting involved, really getting involved, and learning some stuff along the way. Yeah, they were pretty amazing. Yeah, because like you said, you you climbed to the top of those things and were shooting photos of those people because those those things were tall, man. They must have been like. What do you think, like 200 feet or something? Yeah, they're like 100, 150 feet or something. Yeah. And my favorite is the guys who work up there. I mean, they're just fearless. You know, they like lean out over these bays and you know, just they, you always have to be clamped in up top. And it's terrifying because you you would unclip a clamp and I was like, wait, I'm not hooked to anything. And one of the guys was like, you have to stay hooked at all times. I was like, oh my God. And you're like clamp it onto something else. But it's awesome. It was you know, like a cool experience. And like, what were you bringing in terms of gear for that? Because you're like climbing up there. Were you this kind of like... I just had a backpack. I had two light stands and two speed lights. Wow. And just kind of rolling. And I brought a bunch of rope because I had this like fantasy that I would lower lights down with rope in the climbing tower. And they have these like wenches that help you up. Yeah. 
And uh, so they help you climb like these climbing assist things. And uh, if you're light enough, you can just let go and it just hoists you straight up. Yep. So I was like, oh, I'll just like hold, I'll have somebody hold the light and let go. Anyways, it was like a whole, I had this whole grand idea and I ended up shooting a lot of natural light or a lot of uh, just a little bit of speed light fill yeah. along the way. No, they came out awesome, man. They're really cool. Thanks, man. And, uh, you know, one thing I was kind of curious, being that you're a portrait photographer, I was kind of curious, like, how do you approach, if you get the call to photograph somebody, how do you approach each assignment? Like, if you're going to be doing a portrait of somebody, um, do you kind of go in with, like, a plan of, like, different poses you want them to do? Or how do you kind of approach each assignment? How do you kind of prepare for them, I guess? Yeah, I think what I first first thing I try and do is find what that person does, you know, because it's usually you're photographing somebody for a story or something they're doing. You learn about what they're doing a little bit, so you can ask some pertinent questions when you're there, so you don't sound like a total fool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I start thinking about posing. You know, I've got a whole shoebox full of whole file folder of, of different poses. I'll lay them out on the table yeah. and look through and figure out what's going to work for certain people. Yeah. Um, I think about pictures that I've seen before, other photographers have done, other poses that work. And I might try to dig those up. Um, but yeah, really just thinking about how to make a space and think about the space that they have. What am I going to do when I get there? Mm. You know, I like to do three or four setups every time wow. if I can. Yeah. Even if it's a short shoot, you know, like, hey, I've only got a half hour. It's like, okay, cool. Well, maybe we can do three different setups. Yeah. Um, especially because I think so many editorial publications now need, you know, table of contents images. They need images for a website. They need, so there's this huge, you know, being able to provide a lot of images sometimes can go a long way. Yeah, definitely. That's how you keep clients. If you can over deliver on each job, they'll hopefully give you the call again. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> uh, and it's kind of like a random question. I, I, I should start asking this more. Uh, but when you're shooting editorially, um, say it's a portrait shoot, how many photos do you generally turn into the magazine? You say, is it kind of vary from job to job? Oh, that's or? a good question. Yeah, because I'm always curious because like I'm always like, so I, I, I try to send this to ones I like, <laughs> which is like can be small, but I'm always curious like, do people send everything or what's your approach? Yeah, definitely not everything. I definitely like to make a tighter edit. Mm-hmm. I don't like to send, I mean, everything from the camera, you know, raw file from the camera is just like so flat and gray. And yeah. so I like to give it a little bit of love, but I don't want to spend too much time on images that may not make it. So it also depends on what some magazines are like. We just want high res finals. And you're like, great, here's seven images. And they're like, this is fabulous. And I love that scenario. But then sometimes people want the low res edit. Yeah. Um, so I try and keep it what I, if I, if I have the time, I'll do an edit, I'll let it sit for a day yeah. and I'll come back and I'll make an edit of that edit. Mm-hmm. And that always seems to narrow down. I'll be doing the second edit and you're like, why did I choose this one? Yeah. You know, you're sort of detached from the shoot a little bit, which is helpful. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, if it's a low res edit, maybe 20 pictures. Okay. That's pretty good. Uh, yeah. I'm always, I'm always, whenever I send them like fingers crossed, use the one I like. Use yeah. The one I like. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, Mark Fleming said to me one time, he was like, you know, a good rule of thumb is if there's a picture that you're unsure about or that you don't like, they're guaranteed to run it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. And he's so right. Yeah, for sure, man. And being that like you're doing this for a living and you're trying to make money, pay your bills, um, have you ever like felt like a need to like create work that's going to attract clients? Or do you kind of just shoot what you like and kind of put it out there and hope certain clients respond to it? How do you kind of approach, I guess, the commercial aspect to it? Hmm. I, that's a good question. I would say I kind of shoot what I like, mm-hmm. but in a style that I think is marketable. Okay. So in a way that I think, you know, I shoot, you know, shoot for copy, shoot for copy space, you know, stuff like that. But also just trying to think about uh, projects that have relevance that mm-hmm. might be of interest to a client that they can then, whether that project itself becomes a job or if the concept and the way that project shot turns into another job, that's an ideal scenario. Yeah. You know, you shoot a personal project and then somebody sees it and they're like, oh, that would be a good fit for this other 
thing that we're doing. And you're like, okay, cool. And that's to me is like a dream where then you're doing something you're comfortable with already. Yeah, I like the way you have your website set up. You have like, it looks like kind of like some of the personal projects you've worked on, like be it the stories. And then you kind of have like a section for healthcare, which is primarily, would you say, you're just kind of trying to market yourself to that market pretty much? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like a good balance because I think from talking to a lot of people, they want to see obviously that you have a creative vision, but then at the same time that you have like a experience kind of handling a production kind of. Yeah, I think that that's, you know, it's, you walk a fine line between, because a lot of times, it, you know, commercial stuff may not necessarily be visually the most interesting sometimes, yeah. not always, sometimes. And so it's hard because I don't want I don't want the website to feel cold. You know, I don't want it to just feel like, oh, it's all commerce. So it's nice to have a little bit of personal work in there as well to show that you're working on your own and doing your own stuff in your own time, which yeah. I think is valuable. Yeah, I go back and forth. My, I go back and forth like every goddamn month, man. My website, <laughs> I'll be like, I'm going to put some more commercial stuff. So I'm like, to tear shit. And then other times like, fuck this, man. I'm just going to put the shit I like. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, it's true. But it's hard because you know, I, don't know what the, I don't know what the right answer is either. Yeah. I don't you know. Because I, 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 I agree with you. Like People want to see you can handle production and that you can be professional about things, but they also want to see that you've got a creative edge to things. Yeah, definitely. It's, 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 a, it's a struggle, man. And, you know, being that this is a business, like I say, you're trying to make money, uh, it's like managing the business and marketing side, something that you feel like uh, you're kind of natural to. Is there like anything you kind of learned over your time doing this for, about the marketing side, I guess? No, I'm terrible. I'm so bad at running a business. Like, I want to pretend I'm really good at it, but I'm just like, I just want to be a photographer, which I think is the pitfall of every photographer. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, honestly, it's, it's, I make it a priority. And that's, I've gotten to really enjoy it. Like, I really enjoy the actual business end of things. Um, so yeah, I think the marketing thing is the marketing thing is key. I mean, you, if you could be the best, you could be the best photographer in the world, but if nobody knows you exist, yep. you're not getting work. And so it's like, it's hard because it's a lot of times shouting into a canyon. You yeah, know, you're like, hey, I'm right here, and you hear somebody way away, and they're like, oh yeah, hey, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, is that going to be a job? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You so know, it's, it's they responded. They're going to hire me, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're like, hey, we love the work. You're like, oh, cool. The phone's going to ring off the hook. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what what kind of stuff are you doing for your marketing these days? Do you do like printed stuff? I know um, about like I think a month ago, I saw you down at the portfolio review down in New York, New York oh, yeah. City. Um, how was that experience for you? I guess it was good. This is actually the first year I've done three uh, portfolio reviews this oh, year. Oh wow! And they've all been different, and they've all been really good. Yeah. How how do they um, how do they differentiate like i did the boulevard one here in boston that okay. was all very much commercial driven mm-hmm. um that was great it was good to get feedback it was good to sort of like watch people's eyes glaze over as they're looking through your work and you're like gotta take that out of the portfolio so like that's helpful for me yep. uh the, the spd one was uh more editorial driven and mm-hmm. that was super helpful i yep. felt that like the feedback was there. it was also cool seeing old editors i used to work with when i was at martin's yeah um that was really good. And then I just did the ASMP one last week, or this week, I guess, in oh, Boston yeah. here. Oh, really? And that was cool, because it was like a, a sort of a mix of commercial and editorial and producers. And it's just nice getting feedback from people that don't know you. Yeah. And honestly, asking for feedback. That's the number one thing. Because most people will be like, well, work is great. You're like, that's not helpful. Yeah. You're like, where can it be improved? And people are like, oh, well, if you're asking me, here's what sucks. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Those things are interesting because it's like basically like, it's like essentially like speed dating. Like they set up a room with tables and you got like 15 minutes to show your work. Um, I, that was the first one I had done at the SPD. And uh, it was good. I think I think anytime you can kind of get in front of people and like, I don't expect anything from it. But of course. Hopefully, like, I think that, at least in my experience, anytime you can talk to someone in person and try to, like, explain your work, I think that's 
been the most beneficial to me. I don't oh, know. absolutely. And, and you get your personality in front of them, you know? Yeah. But yeah, and go back to uh, mailings I find are really helpful. Just getting hard mailers out there and getting physical work in front of people yep. seems to go a long way. I mean, or on top of people's garbage cans and maybe they see it and they're like, oh shit, I shouldn't have thrown that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, do you still, you show, you try to show your por- printed portfolio like as much as you can these days? Or? I do. Yeah, it's hard. It's got to, you know, I got to get it updated and, and then you're like hesitant about some work in it, but you know, you just got to like go, go in it with confidence, I think. But yeah, print, print portfolio is great. And I've got a digital one I can change out, mm-hmm. which is great because it helps supplement the print. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it is, it is an undertaking. I printed a new book like, a couple months ago and it, it's a lot of work <laughs> dude so much where you're like i'll knock this out in a couple of days Hell like two no. weeks later you're like god i want all my hours back shit i was like six weeks man because oh, you get dude. busy and they're like i only printed part of it and i gotta fucking bang it out and then you run out of ink and it's just like <laughs> keeps going and going you know what i mean uh <laughs> yeah um and another project i saw on your website uh is called main makers um was that another personal project for you that's actually been a really fun ongoing collaboration with the uh, main craft association Okay. They uh, they represent a lot of different craftspeople and artisans in Maine. Oh, so they're like like commercial agents for those craftsmen, or no? It's just like an agency that uh, not even an agency. It's like a, an organization that people can pay dues to be in and be a part of, and they just represent the arts in Maine. So they have a couple of stores. There's one in Portland. There's one further up the coast. Okay. Um, and it's just basically a way to show the crafts in Maine. And several years ago, I was actually going to teach a, a photo thing at one of their projects and my car broke down and the director had to give me a ride back and we got talking about this project she was like i really want to do this photo project and i was like we should do this photo project so it's actually been a grant funded project which is really cool so every year hopefully every year they get a little bit of grant money the project continues with you know five or six artists and for me as a photographer it's been awesome having a project that's gone for so long because you can see it you can see yourself change as a photographer you can see yourself get better and know what's working and what's not working yeah um so yeah and then I'll, I'll mix in a couple of personal like if there's somebody really cool i'm like oh, that would be awesome i'll like go out and shoot them just to add to the project yeah no they're awesome photos because all those people are, seem like really interesting and it's like seems like uh, stuff that's gonna in your portfolio <laughs> yeah yeah and it's cool to like see people doing stuff you know seeing pe- people in their own spaces yeah. making things that's like my favorite thing yeah definitely like what what do you is there like a dream client you'd like to work with or anything or where, where do you see your photography going is there like kind of you know I, it's, it's funny i get that asked that a lot from people and i think i've decided that i really just want to work with people that want to tell a story okay you know, i want to work with i'd love to work with like um you know, like still chainsaws. I know that's so random. No, that's, but that, I think it's good to I have think it's an idea. The orange. I think it's that orange, and I just love how vibrant that orange is. But you know, like something like that, like a client where you know you photograph people either making their chainsaws or like working with them, and then people out in the field working with them, and then maybe some you know dirty, rusty chainsaws that like show the history of it. I just that idea of telling a whole story through a project is kind of like a dream assignment in its own right. Hell yeah, man! I I, I was saying that looking at your photos, I could see I could see those photos being used for like craftsman ads, like or like. Lowe's or like Home Depot or something it's something I do you do you think about that a lot like I've been trying to get better at it like like I'll shoot these projects but a lot of times I don't I should it's the business side I should have a better idea of like how can I market these to like a commercial are you trying to think of that nowadays more like with like all that stuff you in the back of your head or like are you like damn I should like contact this company and show them my photos or yeah yeah i am i'm trying to get better about that and i think what i end up doing a lot is you end up finding i found this to be successful is you get like three or four pictures together and just like fire an email off to somebody at a company and say like hey this is the thing you know i'd love to do this with your product and 
you know, sometimes you don't get a response. Other times people are like, oh, that's cool. We'll think on it. And you follow up and you follow up and you follow up. And it's, you know, it's a long game, right? Yeah. But yeah, so I am trying to really think about like, if you are going to shoot personal stuff, the problem is I don't ever want to totally change a personal project, change an original yeah. vision for a personal project yeah. because I think it's marketing, yeah. marketable rather. Yeah. Um, but then I have to remember that I run a business and yeah. maybe that's the thing I should be doing. Yeah, it's kind of thing. I think uh, the way you look at it, like shoot the project how you want and then when you're done, try to like think of like companies that could be used for and then obviously they'll hire you for a job that won't be directly the same thing but hopefully pretty close. Correct, yeah. That's, that's the goal, I think. Um, and another thing, do you feel like it's important to like uh, pay attention to like photo photographic trends and like what other people are doing? Do you look a lot of look at a, a lot of other work, or do you kind of just kind of stay focused in your own lane? Or no, definitely. Oh my god, I look at so much photography. Sometimes like to a point of I think detriment. You know, mm-hmm. you just I see so many pictures, and at a certain point, you're like I just like overwhelm. I get fatigued by it. Yeah, I spend hours flipping through Instagram and finding photographers, and then going to their websites and seeing how their websites are laid out and seeing. And I realized that, like, it's helpful to an extent, but it, sometimes it can be too much. Yeah, me too. I was talking about that with somebody with, like, especially with Instagram, because I'm, and I'm guilty of this too. Instagram is like your highlight reel. Like, of everyone puts all the best jobs they're shooting, the stuff they're proud of, which is great. But it's like, sometimes I, I know for a while I was like looking at too much stuff, and you start, at least for me, you almost like start to compare yourself to other people. And, it, and it, you can, at least for me, you can get down sometimes, you know, because. Yeah, that, that's you can. I think, but I think even without Instagram, it's hard. You know, when things are, everything's, everybody ebbs and flows. I don't think there's a. I mean, there's probably photographers out there who are just working nonstop. But yeah. I feel like there's always ebbs and flows to any freelance career, right? Yeah. And so when you're in the when you're in the low parts, you sometimes it's hard to think you're ever going to get out of them. And mm. then you're like, a couple weeks later, you're like, damn, I need a break. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just keep it going, man. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And you know, with a lot of photographers these days, they're also doing motion work. It seems like a lot. Have you ever felt any pressure to kind of jump? into that at all yeah i mean i feel the pressure but i'm just not i'm just not there I'm yeah just, i always think about making video happen and i think i get stuck in the idea that you had somebody on here and they were said it beautifully is that they're not they're not a they don't um they're not a cinematographer they can't operate the camera they just want to direct yeah and i think that's what i struggle with a lot it's like oh because you're so used to as a photographer holding a camera that i keep thinking like oh i have to be the guy taking the video but I, I don't necessarily have to do that. So yes, I think about it, but I don't think I'm at that point yet where I want to make that jump. Yeah, I feel the same way. I, I do it a little bit, but like, I feel like unless you're interested in it, there's no point in forcing yourself into something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good, yes. It's also good to challenge yourself sometimes, I think. And I think I'd, I'd, I'd be a better still photographer if I shot video. Yep. But we'll see in time. Yeah, you know, every year you try new stuff. It's Absolutely. Good. Um, and, you know, looking at uh, one of the projects that was on your website, it was cool. It's called Built in Brooklyn. Um, what was that all about? It was like. That was actually a, a prop stylist that we worked with when I worked at Martin's in New York. Uh, he had this little tiny, when I worked there, when I was in the city, he had this little tiny studio that he worked out of. And now he has this like 50,000 square foot warehouse and he's making everything they manufacture everything like set pieces for the met uh they did the olympic rings all the nbc all the olympic rings that were in uh wherever the olympics were this year Damn. last year um so anyways it's a huge shop and i just reached out to him and i was like hey man can i come by and just spend the day photographing around the shop and he's like yeah it sounds great and it was cool because i got to reconnect with some people but it was also it was a good challenge to like take it on and like get people doing projects in the in their space yeah and sort of 
making pieces that I would want to shoot and show to an, to a client, to a potential client. Yeah, that's cool, man. Like, I think even like one thing I thought was really cool last, I think it was last winter, I saw you post it up on Instagram. You're like, hey, I'm coming down to New York City. I want to shoot some portraits. And you kind of just put the call out uh, just to try to find people to photograph. Is that like something you do a lot, just kind of pitching ideas to people, just to kind of build new work pretty much? Yeah, yeah. And I think it's because I think that as photographers, you got to keep work coming. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially in, in 2018, almost 2019 now. I mean, you can't, you know, somebody, Martin actually said to me years ago, he's like, you're only as good as your last picture. And that's something I think about all the time because it's like, yeah, you can take a great picture, but it's hard to ride an entire career on one picture. Yeah. And so I think, especially now more than ever, just creating work and creating work and creating work. And if it's not coming in or it's slow, then it's like, I got to get out there and make the work. Yeah, definitely. It's, because that's what we are. We're photographers. I mean, you know, I, I'm passionate about it even when I'm not doing it for work. Yeah, no, hell yeah, man. I, I For me, I got to, it's like you take a good picture you kind of get that immediate rush and you're proud of it but then like the next day you're like all right i need that feeling again least, absolutely yeah it's kind of it's just like a it's like adrenaline or yeah something. it's like a, it's like adrenaline being an adrenaline junkie without like a wingsuit and the fear <laughs> yeah. of death yeah yeah you know it's yeah i'm all set with heights man <laughs> uh, and i was curious like um do you feel like you walk away from every assignment like completely satisfied or do you feel like sometimes you walk away like oh i wish i would have tried that or like do you, i'm always curious about that do you feel like like you've been doing this for a while now at, on every portrait shoot do you walk away completely satisfied on what you produce you think i would say 95 percent of the time i think there's a there's a slim you know sometimes there's conditions out of your control you catch a subject on a bad day you catch a subject who's rushed yeah and that can really change the mood of a shoot yeah um but yeah i like to i really like to get everything and if i feel the other thing i do a lot is i'll get the shot and i'm like oh yeah that's definitely the one that i was came here for but then i have like two more setups i want to do yeah i'm like cool let's try this over here let's try this and then at that point the pressure is off my shoulders because i know i've gotten what i came for but i'm just going to sort of work with the subject and then honestly i end up getting the best stuff at the end sometimes because you know they're relaxed you've built that rapport with them you're they're able to be like oh yeah i trust this guy yeah so i kind of find that sometimes too it's like you either get the good stuff at the beginning or at the end, like that's always funny. Like so I've had shoots where it's like you're shooting a portrait of someone, and you, like the first set is like, oh, this one's great. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh yeah. And I think it's because people's guards get let down. I think that's the key is when you're shooting portraits, and, and it's always about getting people to forget that they're being photographed. Mm-hmm. You know. And I think how everybody has their ways of doing that. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I just want to get to know somebody. Like yeah. honestly, sometimes I'll be talking to people. The, the artists or the makers are a good example. You know, I'll be talking to a craftsperson. They'll be showing me around their studio, and I'll spend like half hour walking around their studio with them. I'm like, oh shit, we got to take some pictures. Like, I forget. Yeah, I mean, I know yeah. that's what I'm there for, but yep. I just get like so invested in learning this stuff along the way. Yeah. And I think that helps. Those are the shoots that always go super well because they're like, oh, this person's great. They care about what I'm doing. How do you kind of deal with, like, obviously you shoot a lot of portraits and sometimes I'm sure you get difficult subjects that are probably just don't want to do much. How do you kind of deal with those scenarios? Uh, do you have like any tricks or anything? I don't know. Kind of, because like I know for myself, like sometimes I'll shoot like some business guys and they're just like, they couldn't give two shits. Like, but at the end of the day you still got to take a good picture do you have like any way like you kind of approach or kind of calm people down i guess yeah that's a good you know i like to spend even if you only have like five minutes with somebody like a business guy or something i like to just spend two or three minutes just talking to him just like i think there's something about being able we're so we're connected and disconnected now more than ever yeah and so it's like sitting there face to face with somebody having a quick conversation about any i don't know a damn thing about sports but i'll talk i'll bullshit my way through a sports conversation if it means that 
when we sit down to take a picture, they're like, oh, this guy loves baseball or, and, or whatever the case may be. And I'm like, great. And so you have that connection that you can work with yeah. somebody on. So yeah, I like to make that connection. But even that, sometimes you get people who are just not into it. Yeah. And I... I push people, but I don't want to push people to the point of being uncomfortable to yeah. where then you totally lose them. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I agree. I try to like, I try to like put myself in their shoes and try to almost try to think what they're thinking. You know, I find that to be helpful sometimes. Like I'll just be, I'll say like shit. Like it's like, man, I hate having my picture too, man. <laughs> it's like stuff like that. And then sometimes I laugh and it works, but then sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And then I think there's some people also too, who really, um, really clam up and they have a really hard time. They're like, uh, just, yeah, they overanalyze. Absolutely. They over, and they just get stuck in one pose and yeah. they're just like in that pose and their face doesn't change. Their body language doesn't change. You ask them to move and everything's, and th- then I just, say hey let's take a quick break and it's like we chat for a second more maybe I ask them a question or like I'll go to another location sometimes I have what I call warm-up locations where I'm like hey let's shoot here real quick and then you're like great and you're starting in this location and I know it's not going to work yeah but it's just giving us a chance to like make this connection yeah. so then we can go to the next one that I really want yeah definitely that's smart and um I guess it's to kind of wrap up like you've been doing this for a while now like um what kind of keeps you going obviously you know being a photographer is a competitive business it's everyone's trying to do it everybody's photographer these days and it's getting tougher and tougher less magazines and more people doing it but what kind of keeps you inspired to keep doing this and um do you kind of have any goals for your own photography moving forward i think honestly and it sounds so cliche but there's something about seeing something on paper your work printed on paper that i still just gets me really gets me going when i know that that's going to be a potential and i can like hold a, a glossy piece of paper that has my image on i'm like yeah okay I'm, I'm still game for this yeah um but honestly it's people like just being able to connect and meet people along the way mm-hmm. um i think goal wise you know i'd love i'd love to take on some more commercial work that has an editorial feel to it yep um i'd like to see the business grow and, and maybe someday you know take on an assistant or a studio manager somebody who can help and and learn on their own because that's how i i kind of want to like pay it forward you know i learned so much from being an assistant it's like i want to kind of pass that down awesome man I, I look forward to it man I, I, I can I can see your stalled chainsaw ads right now man it, they're, they're coming man uh, but yeah Michael man I just want to thank you so much for taking time to do this I was really uh, glad to kind of sit down and hear more about your work and how you kind of got into all this and uh, I guess for people listening uh, where's the best place to check out your work uh, you can find me at uh, mdwphotographic.com okay. it turns out uh, Michael Wilson is taken on the internet already so it makes it hard to find a URL dang oh yeah you got, the, you got that domain man <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, oh, then, uh, and then same thing on Instagram? Uh, it's actually MW Photographic on Instagram. So oh, perfect. No, no D on Instagram. All right, I'll link it and people can go check it out. And uh, thanks so much. Yeah, man. Thank you. So there you have it. That was the Michael D. Wilson interview. I want to thank Michael so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. I really enjoyed hearing about um, his experience uh, starting out working for Martin Schuler and everything he did when he was studying uh, biomedical photography. That was really interesting. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, definitely go check out Michael's work. His website is mdwphotographic.com as well as his Instagram, which is mw photographic i'll link it in the bio and uh, definitely go check out his website he's always updating it with new work so uh, definitely go check that out and as always i'll be having weekly podcasts every monday on itunes soundcloud as well as my website alexganyephoto.com and on my instagram at alexganyephoto thanks so much for listening and take care